I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Guys, we got some good odds and lines up on the DK Sportsbook. Okay, 49ers favorites over Mahomes and the Chiefs. Check that one out. Um, MVP odds are up. Grammy odds also up on the DK Sportsbook, which means... Perhaps for some smarter bets, check out VSIN's new betting guide, okay? Downloadable, it's downloadable. VSIN's free betting guide for the Super Bowl features the expert handicappers and analysts from VSIN. It includes key Super Bowl betting trends, historical analysis, as well as tips, prop betting strategies, all of it. Just go to www.vsin.com slash DKN to download your free guide today. Pretty awesome. So make sure you go download that. All right, now let's bring in um, another member of the DKN family. We have Ross Tucker here joining us now. Great to have you, Ross. Yes, Thank Ross Tucker, host of the Ross Tucker Football you Podcast. Guys. You guys can Based follow on, him like, at Ross Tucker image. NFL on social media. What's going on, brother? Hey, guys, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Can you hear me okay? Yep, gotcha. We got you, buddy. Awesome. Yeah, I feel like I'm coming on to break on a fight based on the image you guys posted. Gojo and Golik on social media. It looked like... Senior was smashing Junior in the face, and and looked like Gojo. You had a pretty good grip on your dad's throat, maybe. 
they they Ross they 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 basically mock me at my horrific abilities with the internet because even after that segment, I mean, right before we came on, Mike, your mother poked her head in here and said, "You are awful. You are awful at Twitter. You're awful on the internet." And, and I am because some of it to me is just dumb. It's just dumb. I'm sorry I don't play along with some of it, but man, it just seems like a whole lot of work for nothing. Hey, hey, Mike, you know what you need to tell your wife, Chris, and she needs to realize this? I just finished finally the Reggie White documentary, and you look like you lost about 100 pounds. I mean, you, you look amazing, and hopefully your wife appreciates how healthy you are and how good you look compared to when you were on the air for ESPN uh, when Reggie unfortunately passed. So you're saying back then I was fat is what you're saying. Well, you know, not many guys clearly look fatter after their playing days than when they were an NFL lineman, but you pulled it off. You were clearly fatter on ESPN than you were as a D lineman for the Eagles. No doubt in my mind. I did. You're right. You 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 are right. I was that was I was in my it was fluffy right stage. Here. It, uh, it was like sure. right here and yeah. here. Oh, oh Ross, that's oh, the Ross. Bullock family trait right here is yeah. right right below the chin. It's why we all now wear beards because if not, there's yeah. that second chin just lurking there yeah. in the rafters. But you're right. My dad's one of the few people who ate his way from linebacker in college to three technique in the NFL to straight up nose guard post playing career, and then has now found <laughs> his way to I think being like. A tight end that splits out. You know what? Maybe like a Travis yeah. Kelsey is where dad's at now. He's not going to be a devastating blocker going at you, but he's going to go out here and get some wiggle in space, which maybe is the transition we need, Ross, to what you've been up to the last couple of weekends. Like my dad, you call games uh, over at Westwood One, and you were on the call for the last couple of Chiefs games down there working this. So you've seen this, this postseason run for Kansas City with what most people look at as one of their more unlikely rosters in recent history here. What stuck out to you seeing this team up close through this postseason run so far as to why they've been able to maximize this group in particular? Well, there's a bunch of things. I mean, first of all, isn't it interesting how every team is trying to either sign that wide receiver that's like a difference maker for 20-some million a year or draft that guy in the first round? Everybody need you got to have that guy, right? The Chiefs traded probably the best receiver in the league and now they're going to back-to-back Super Bowls after they did that. It's really wild if you think about it. So that, that's part of it. I am stunned that they were able to win both in Buffalo and in Baltimore. They're giving me a very um, Belichick-y, Brady vibe in the sense that every team they play somehow makes these like unforced errors that they shouldn't. Or they have that one play where like, oh, if we just did this instead of that, Zay Flowers, or if Bass makes the field goal, or way back in the day, if Hundiff makes the field goal, or Lee Evans catches the ball, they're, they're that new team that it feels like you almost have to play a perfect game to be able to beat them. The other thing is I don't think they get enough credit for their physicality. You've been doing a good job, Gojo, on social media, showing some of the clips. They've been really physical Although I was disappointed, really disappointed that the Ravens, hey, Ravens, where are the design quarterback runs? Where is the Gus bus? What what bothered me the most about the Ravens losing wasn't that they lost. It's like they didn't go down 
doing what brought him there. And, and that would really leave a bad taste in my mouth, especially if I was a Ravens O-lineman. Yeah, I mean, again, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill each had only three carries in the game, and Lamar certainly didn't run as much as he had. I, I didn't, we've been talking about, don't understand uh, the Todd Munkin game plan at all in this one. But we always talk, when we talk Chiefs, obviously, and, and with good reason, we talk Mahomes. But I'll kind of compare it to uh, when Tom Brady won the Super Bowl for Tampa Bay, Ross. During that playoff run, if that defense doesn't play the way it does, Tampa Bay never gets to the Super Bowl. The biggest difference this year for this Kansas City team is their defense. So talk about it from that side because they basically, this was a 3-0 game in the second half. Baltimore 3, Kansas City, that great offense we're talking about, Mahomes got shut out in the second half. The Kansas City defense has been playing some real ball. Yeah, I mean, Mike, you got to be kidding me, right? Like the first year where it feels like the Chiefs offense is kind of pedestrian, they have maybe the best defense Andy Reid's ever had. Like, how does that work out, right? I mean, it's just unbelievable timing. And I thought it was very telling after the game, you know, for the Westwood one, like you do, Mike, for the Super Bowl, I was able to interview Mahomes. And he's kind of learned this year to not feel like he has to do it all himself and, and trust the defense to help get the win, which I thought was just startling to hear him say that. But he's done it. And he, they lean on that group, and they've been able to get it done. They're very impressive. And that's a whole other thing, right? Like, Spags hasn't gotten one interview, not one interview, for because he's 64. Oh, he's too old. 64 too old. Like, that cracks me up. People are like, well, you want somebody that's going to be there for 10, 10 years in the NFL? Three years in the NFL. It's like dog years. Three years yeah. in the NFL is like 21 <laughs> years in the real world. Like, people are worried about things. Are you joking? The other thing is people don't want a retread. We're talking about over a decade ago with the St. Louis Rams when they were terrible, when they had no good players. It's just funny to me how some guys get opportunities and other guys don't. But, no, they've had a really good year on that side of the ball. The Chiefs lean on them. And I think not only are they a good defense, but I think having the lead and, and the two-score lead – it messed with the Ravens' heads. The Ravens were not used to being behind, and obviously they didn't handle it very well. Uh, well, Ross, one thing you handled well, and you mentioned it being down in the field after the game, was the media scrum that involved Taylor Swift. Now, for those who are unfamiliar, you blew my mind on your podcast a while back when you told me that you guys were from the same hometown here. So what was the interaction like on the field? You said that she claimed to remember you from a meeting you guys had had prior, right? Well, I don't know if that was what she was referring to. Uh, just for clarity's sake, so yes, we're both from Wyoming, Pennsylvania. Uh, she left when she was 14 or 15 to go to Nashville. She had some weird dream about maybe being a musician. I don't know if it worked out for her or not, but <laughs> she, she moved to Nashville. Uh, but uh, I'm good friends with her dad, right? So that was my third time ever talking with Taylor Swift. 2007, I was on her RV uh, with her dad, and then she actually came on before the uh, – she was opening up for Brad Paisley at the Allentown Fair in Allentown, Pennsylvania in 2007. And I actually talked to her for a decent amount of time in 2015 in Nashville before her concert. I don't know what era it was. Maybe 1989. It was like Wildest Dreams was my favorite song. She played at the concert. Um, so it was my third time seeing her. So you guys will appreciate this. So go, Joe. If you're the Westwood One guy, you get to interview the coach and the quarterback 
right next to the steps, right after the pr trophy presentation, right? So I'm right next to the steps. Well, then in comes Taylor and she's inside the ropes or whatever, and she's got her security detail and she's with Ed and Donna Kelsey. And I'm like five feet away from her, right? Now, both times I met her, I didn't have the beard. So I'm thinking, and I, and I talked to her dad, like, I don't know, like maybe once a month, like fairly regularly, right? He's really into football, awesome guy. Um, so I'm like, I feel like I gotta say something, but like, what do you say in that setting? So here's what I came up with, Gojo. I, I pulled up a picture on my phone of my daughters with her dad at her concert in Philly in May. And I go like this with my phone, I'm big, right? So she can see, so I, I show her the picture, I have my phone like this, and I'm like, Taylor, I'm, I'm Ross Tucker from Why Missing, I'm good friends with your dad. And she looks at the picture, looks at me, and she goes, oh yeah, I know you, I know you, like that. Which by the way, huge missed opportunity for me. I could have been like, I know you. I know you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and so and so I said I talked to your dad this week and she was like, "Oh, okay." But then like I didn't want it to be weird. So, I've interviewed Ed Kelsey and met him before. So, I went right to Ed. I'm like, "Hey, Ed, what's up?" And he's like, "Oh, Ross, I didn't recognize you with the hat. I thought you looked familiar." So, like, I didn't want it to be like I didn't really have anything else to say to Taylor at that point, right? Like I made the connection. She saw the picture. She said she knew me. I got what I wanted out of that. I got the interaction, you know, uh, and then I was able to talk to Ed Kelsey too. So here's the thing, Gojo. I know the dad, okay, and I know Ed Kelsey. So I'm trying to work both angles for the potential wedding invite. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to make Ooh. sure that both sides would approve of, of my attendance Joking, joking, joking. Don't post that on social media and act like I'm serious. <laughs> so, so, Ross, let me ask you this, because now working, I'll be working sideline for the Super Bowl for, for Westwood One, and if I find myself in that position, if Kansas City wins, same way we get inside the ropes there when they come down from the steps to interview them. So, what could I use if, if the same scenario – now, I, I know Ed as well, so I'd probably say hi to Ed. Saw him out at uh, – where were we? Oh, at the Tahoe event, the, the, Tahoe. the golf event out in Tahoe. So if I were to see if Ed was there and Taylor was there, how should I approach that? Should I say, hey, Taylor, I know Ross Tucker. Should I do that? <laughs> I mean, what, what should be my way to try and start a conversation with her? So I would not say that. I'm not convinced <laughs> she really knows, like, my name that well. I think she just knows there's a football player from Why Missing that my dad talks to a lot and likes. Right. Like, that's what I think that's what she knows, right? So I would go with, first of all, just so you know, you're not getting within five feet of her, right? Like, there's, there's right. her security detail is such that they are, they, they are surrounding her and then it, it was it was her and the Kelsey parents. So you're not like getting that close to her. So I think the move there, Mike, without any hesitation, Ed, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, Mike, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. Like, and, <laughs> and, and then be like, congratulations, that's awesome, thank you. And I'm like, and, 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 then, I, and then I would like kind of look at Taylor or like see if she's looking at you, see if Ed maybe <laughs> makes the intro. Like I, you gotta feel the situation out at that point. <laughs> But I think for your strategy, 
Unless you have a picture of your kids on your phone <laughs> with, with Taylor's dad, I think maybe your strategy, Mike, should be uh, just go the Ed Kelsey route. There you <laughs> go. Good advice. Reverse. You go with the reverse Ross Tucker on this one. You work back to forward, and then you try and find your way uh, to the mountaintop with that. Uh, uh, Ross, while we're talking about Taylor, we probably should take this time to also mention a little bit about Travis. Just because uh, seeing him up close now, he was a guy we watched during the regular season, didn't seem like he had this kind of juice left. Some people thought that since his brother's retiring, they got the podcast, that he might be on the verge of that as well. Do you feel like this postseason run has sort of been an indicator that Travis Kelsey's got more left in the tank as far as his football career without question no doubt in my mind it's unbelievable I mean it's uh you know the whole year I thought maybe he lost a step but and maybe he did lose a little bit but also he was pretty banged up and was playing hurt all season right so I don't know how much of that is he really lost a step versus you know he's just a little bit banged up but these last couple of games in particular, he's been amazing. I mean, think about the first drive, guys, where it's fourth and two. They have maybe their best cover corner, Brandon Stevens, is on him man-to-man. Mahomes looks right. It's not there. He comes all the way back. Kelsey streaming across the middle field, throws to him. Then they get to the 20-yard line. The Ravens have Kyle Hamilton, all-pro safety, who's – Maybe the best physical matchup I can imagine for Travis. He's like 6'4", 215, long arms. Like, if anybody can cover Travis Kelsey man-to-man, you would think it's Kyle Hamilton. And yet, even then, Kyle has good coverage. Mahomes gives him a back shoulder throw. He makes the catch. It's just incredible how often those guys make the key connection when they have to. I don't see any signs of him retiring. Maybe I'm, maybe, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but those guys seem to have a pretty keen understanding of number one, the value of everything they're doing off the field is very much amplified. If you're still on the field. And also we're now getting to the point where Kelsey has a great argument for being the best tight end ever. Some people will still say Tony Gonzalez or Gronk or whatever, whatever you think, but with every year, He's making his argument more and more convincing. It, it really is remarkable. I was looking yesterday. Obviously, we had the stat this weekend. He passed Jerry freaking Rice for the all-time yeah. postseason <laughs> receptions leaders. He's only behind Jerry Rice in terms of postseason touchdown receptions. Also, you're right, Ross. He's going to have an argument for the best, most accomplished postseason pass catcher, period. Forget just tight end as the distinction and doing it in a lot less time than some of his peers on that. So I agree. It's been remarkable, and it seems like he's got even more he can add to that. He's going to be trying to do that as we get towards the Super Bowl, Ross. But we've also got other holidays coming up around Valentine's Day here pretty soon. And Ross, the last time you were with us, you talked to us about a pretty cool gift idea that people can explore. Can you tell people about what they can get out of myfrontpagestory.com as we get close to another holiday where they might want to impress? You know what I just realized, Gojo? I totally blew it because I talked to Kelsey before the game and I made the connection of being from Why Missing and knowing Taylor's dad. And so we were talking about her dad played football at Hawaii. And then um, he's from Philly, Mike. And then he actually went to high school in Williamsport, but played football at Hawaii first, then transferred to Delaware. What I should have said to Travis before the game, Travis, 
I got the best Valentine's Day gift for Taylor ever. <laughs> it's called a story from myfrontpagestory.com. I'll give it to you for free. Just give it to her on Valentine's Day and see what happens. You want to talk about missing my opportunity to shoot my shot. It really is, though, the best Valentine's Day gift ever. Nobody knows. Like, everybody does the same thing, right? Like a gift card or flowers. Once, once, Mike Sr., or tell your brother, Gojo, or whoever, change it up. Do something unique. Have something written. Looks like it's on the cover. I mean, look at this thing. Looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. Beautiful, framed. Just when she sees it and sees the pictures. Like, like Mike, this would be a picture of you, the grandkids, the kids. Chris would look at that and be like, unbelievable. This is amazing. This is so cool. It'd be hanging up in the house forever. And make sure, Mike, if you do it, make sure you say, I just never thank Chris for all the little things she does for me and the family. Even Mike, even if you can't think of anything, just say wow. that line. I've seen seven women video now of the women crying when they get to that line in the story. Myfrontpagestory.com, myfrontpagestory.com. In fact, Mike, I'll get you one for free too, but Chris is listening right now, so it'll yeah, totally yeah, ruin yeah, the whole of, thing. It will, yeah. Yeah. It does. Yeah, but, but I appreciate right, I appreciate the sentiment. You missed your Christian juice check moment to shoot your shot with Taylor Swift and try and change your life with that. Hopefully you're going to have another one. I feel good about your chances there. I feel even better about this entire experience. It's been awesome. You guys, if you want more of this great insight, check out the Ross Tucker football podcast, new episodes Monday through Friday. You can also catch them on four, uh, from four to four 30 Eastern on the DraftKings net network right here with us. Ross, thank you so much, brother. We will talk to you soon. All right, boss. Really appreciate it. Always great talking with you guys. Can't wait to see you guys next week in Vegas. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ross. God help us all. God, my voice is finally recovered after yesterday, Dad. So oh, I, that being done. said, it was a real humbling reminder of what's getting ready to come up next week and how not ready I am for it now. I, I'm so happy I'm to the point now where I am because when I first started going to the Super Bowls at ESPN, even doing the morning show, you know, I would mm. go out and, man, it didn't take long for me to say, can't do it anymore. Even though we don't have to get up early in Vegas, we'll talk about our show times when we're there next week. But uh, yeah, I've learned a valuable lesson that you need to learn as well. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. Mm -hmm. 
Welcome back to Gojo and Golok. We've barely done the postmortem on the Ravens. The body is still warm and the hits keep coming. So there is potentially a lot of turnover with the staff, guys. All right. So Todd Munkin, Mike McDonald, both drawing interest from around the league. Both Munkin and McDonald have completed virtual in interviews with interested teams over the past couple weeks of the postseason. The Chargers, meanwhile, have officially hired Joe Hortz away to make him their GM. So, guys, there could be a lot of changes here to this Ravens squad by next season. And now, do we expect they're going to need new coordinators as well? At the very least, defensively, it seems like yeah. that's probably going to be the case right now. We'll see. We know that the Seahawks, you know, Dan Quinn was originally the name everyone thought was going to be the easy hire there. And Mike McDonald and Ben Johnson both had to wait to come off conference championship weekend for a lot of this process to finally crystallize for them. So I'd be curious. I mean, listen, Mike McDonald would be a great choice. If you watched any part of the AFC championship and thought the Ravens lost that game because of their defense, you need to find religion in some form because they were the war machines. Still, Mike McDonald did a phenomenal job with that group. And while it's not a perfect apples to apples, you know, square peg, square hole for becoming a great head coach, at the very least, if you're Seattle, who struggled on defense mightily in the last few years, this would be a welcome sight for sore eyes, no doubt. Yeah, I, I think I, I, there's two slots left, right? Washington and Seattle. And yep. It seems we're leaning the way of Mike McDonald with one and Ben Johnson with the other. Uh, where, where they end up, I don't know. Now, we'll see if Mike McDonald, who is a D coordinator, if he goes to Seattle, uh, they've already lost who was their offensive coordinator last year, and Shane Waldron went to Chicago. And again, when you have a defensive per person taking over as a head coach, the most important hire is going to be who's going to run the offensive side of the ball. And then for Ben, you know, he'll probably call plays. I would, I would maybe assume as a head coach, we'll wait and see uh, what happens there. But, you know, with, with so the Ravens going to lose some personnel and now Harbaugh picking up some personnel and the Chargers with Hortis going, who was with the Ravens for 26 years, right? Started out, you know, in, in a low-level job there yeah. in like for $20,000. Well, back then Baltimore was hiring 20 for 20, they were hiring 20-year-olds for $20,000. And he worked his way all the way up to the director of player personnel handling NFL and college players. So now he's going to have to work with Harbaugh, who, you know, the last time uh, Harbaugh was in the NFL kind of kind of battled with his well, uh, his GM a little bit. So because they it got work to do there. Because like, he's got to work with Harbaugh because he's coming from working with a Harbaugh. Like there's right. all this Harbaugh on Harbaugh exactly. that tends to go yep. on when we get to these spots, which is funny. But you're right, Dad. It was uh, kind of the knock on Jim coming off the 49ers tenure was by the end. There really seemed to be a lot of friction between him and the front office based on how they bulky, do this. And I think, when yeah. you get him there first before you hire a GM or anyone in there, it kind of indicates to everybody on the outside who they think is going to have the upper hand right. when it comes to final roster say it's exactly right so you need and I think it was Trent Balky who he was butting heads with in San Francisco I I hope I'm correct there but I think that's who it was so they do have to work hand in hand because they're a team that's what 54 mil over the cap that they have to get squared away by the start of the new NFL year in, in I believe in March so you know that that's got to get taken care of so you want to have that good working relationship and then it's always the good teams have to then kind of re-up 
with new coordinators. See the Philadelphia Eagles, who, since being in the Super Bowl, lost both coordinators, and then the next year, which was this year, fired both coordinators. So they now, in the span of three years, are going to have three different offensive coordinators and three different defensive coordinators. So it can change on you. If Ben Johnson leaves in Detroit, he got a ton of praise. So mm -hmm. then who does Dan Campbell pick to replace him? That's the one downside. There's, I guess there's no downside of being good. Uh, but there, there, is a, there is that turmoil of having to replace one of the reasons why you were that good as by having really good coordinators who are then are going to be poached by other teams as head coaches. Well, and this is why we see a lot of ownership when it comes to making these decisions worried about securing a very good offensive head coach who's got that kind of background and might potentially be your play caller. Because especially when you're one of the organizations that doesn't have, uh, you know, a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, an Aaron Rodgers, one of the surefire, almost coaching agnostic players, it feels like on there. And you've got a Jared Goff who has thrived with great play callers also in tandem who has some physical limitations to his game, the worry starts to be, well, all right, if we sub out the great coordinator and we've all agreed Ben Johnson, them holding on to him for another year was huge for that offense. What's it do? I think that's sometimes the fear that creeps into the mind of people, even though dead, it can sometimes be as simple as, well, hey, you know, we've got a quarterback's coach on the roster who we trust to go and be right. the one that we right. elevate after their time working under this person or the other people that, you know, a guy like Dan Campbell, to use this specific example, knows from his playing and coaching journey who he'd have ready to go. These are all things you can do to offset that, but we know sometimes that fear that creeps into ownership means they're going to make a decision that might not make the most sense. Yeah, and, and you're right about uh, just, just pick Dan Campbell right now. There had to be the inkling, and, and you always have to think ahead of saying, there's a good chance I'm going to lose my offensive coordinator. I need to have that in my mind as we go forward. And understand, if you don't hire from within, like a quarterback coach stepping up, you are changing your system. You know, and now that, that falls now onto the players. Quarterbacks love to meet with wide receivers in the offseason to work on things, usually off the system you're running. Well, if it's a new system and you haven't had a chance yet to work with the new coordinator because there are rules when you can talk to coaches in the offseason. Coaches hate it right now. Uh, players love it because they have a longer before you have to go into the facility and be with the coaches. Coaches hate it because they want control of players, you know, 24-7, 365. So, it turns into all behind-the-scenes type of things, but things that, that can add a little bit of turmoil to a team. Yep, uh, no doubt. It, it, it's variables in a sport and in general in, in the minds of control freaks and coaches who want to try and keep everything the same as often as they can. And the best organizations are the ones that are able to weather that pretty consistently because you're right. When success happens, this is what you've got to plan for. If all things go well, your coordinators are going to get poached. That's showbiz, right. baby. And so now you get to adjust on the other side of that. And so uh, that does go a long way in how we are going to talk about, though, Dad, a lot of these very competitive divisions going into next season because because we've seen other teams on the rise like the Green Bay Packers and the NFC North with the Detroit Lions. We've seen in the AFC North the injuries that are going to come back off the table and make that an interesting and more competitive division even than it was this season going into next year. So uh, some other interesting coaching moves that we had come up yesterday too. Raheem Morris filling out his staff in Atlanta, bringing Zach Robinson over the quarterback's coach from the Los Angeles Rams there as well uh, to come and coach that team there. He's a guy 
looked at as one of the maybe rising stars in the NFL. The Browns yeah. hired Ken Dorsey as their offensive coordinator, the former coordinator for the Buffalo Bills that was let go there as well. We mentioned uh, Kellen Moore heading to Philadelphia. So a lot of names that we've been used to, Dad, getting some new homes here throughout this. That's going to make it very interesting. But for I think the Philadelphia Eagles and the Los Angeles Chargers, you've got to feel in both cases pretty good about the direction your organization's going, going back to a higher where if you're taking front office personnel from the Ravens, you can usually feel pretty good about the pedigree in that building and what they've been a part of from a competence standpoint. And then for the Eagles, it does feel like, all right, we went out here and we got known commodities on both sides. They both come with their flaws. They're certainly not perfect, but at the very least now that feels a lot more like stability than coming off last season when you got both your coordinators poached. You mentioned Zach Robinson, now going to be the old coordinator, 37 years old. He, he played ball, cup of coffee with a couple of teams from 2010 to 13, then didn't get into coaching until 2019, ended up being the pass game coordinator for the Rams. That's the only team he's been with, so another one under McVay, now becoming a, a coordinator for Raheem Morris. The other one interesting to me, Mike, is going to be the Bears. So Eberflus stays as a head coach. Pohl stays as the GM. The big decision, and I don't think it's a big decision. I think they're going to draft Caleb Williams uh, with the first pick in the draft. I think that's the route they're going to go, whether we all agree with it or not. I think it's what they're going to do. But they hire Shane Waldron, the old coordinator. We thought maybe it would be, what, Lincoln Riley? What was it, Lincoln Riley? We were, no, it was um, Cliff Kingsbury from USC yeah. That th th because they're taking probably taking Caleb Williams. But it's Shane Waldron who was, again, with the Rams. So you're going to see a lot of motion with the Bears. And then they hire Eric Washington as a D coordinator, even though Eberflus is a defensive guy. Washington kind of holds the same thought process of that kind of that Tampa 2 cover 2 defense. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golak. We had a few returns to the hardwood last night in the NBA. Ben Simmons returned to the Nets lineup for the first time in almost three months. He finished with 10 points, 8 rebounds, 11 assists, a steal, and no turnovers in 18 minutes of playing time. The Nets got the victory at Barclays. He had been out since November 6 with a nerve impingement, okay? Then... We had Doc Rivers returning to the bench in his debut as the Bucks' new head coach. 
Now Milwaukee fell to Jokic and the Nuggets 113 to 107. But Doc was encouraged by what he saw. He said that. But everyone, including Giannis, was preaching one thing after that game, and it was patience. It was great. It was great. Uh, everybody have to have patience. Uh, it's new. The way we play, uh, the way we defend. Uh, no, it's going. It's it's going to take a while to get used. To. You know, we slowly, slowly adjusting, change a couple stuff. Uh, you know. Coach staff gotta have patience with the players. Players gotta have patience with the coach staff. But I feel like for the first game, it was good. Okay, I know that you really want to talk about Doc Rivers returning because we don't really care that much about Ben Simmons. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you know what, Ben Simmons. I'm I'm sure the Brooklyn Nets care a lot about Ben Simmons coming back, and I don't know where you are with that, Dad. But he's someone that because of circumstance, partially because of his own doing. I look at what Ben Simmons has been as a player in his career and say, we've probably already seen the best that he's going to offer on teams that have the most chance to be relevant right now. The 10th place Brooklyn Nets, his future because of injury all seems pretty murky at this point, but on a base human level, very good to see him back out on the court, at least healthy enough to go. Well, I, I am, I am kind of interested to see where it goes. I know they're 10th right now, but if he, can can play well again. Last night was his, his first game after almost three months. He went ten points, eight rebounds, eleven assists, a steal, and no turnovers in eighteen minutes. He could certainly help that team move up. Now are they going to be the one of the best in the East? No, but Ben Simmons, boy, what a rocky road in Philadelphia was when you kind of give the impression that uh, you're not too tough out there in Philly. That's a wrong place to do that. That's for sure. But the talent on him is amazing. It's certainly been kind of the physical side of injuries and then the mental side of the yips of not shooting the ball, which has been amazing. I am interested to see if he can turn around his career with the, the massive uh, uh, athletic ability he has. So I am interested in that. But with Doc, it is about changing that defense, right? The defense in Milwaukee, that was 24th. Now, they lost a tough first game for him. You're playing the defending champs in Denver, and Jokic still gets a triple-double. Though his triple-double only included, you know, didn't include like 40 points, right? So they actually held Detroit, I think, I mean, uh, uh, Denver to like 113 points. And it's so weird to hear one of the best players in the league on one of the best teams in the league preach patience, right? When you're supposed to be one of the best teams and you're talking about patience, but it's true. They sit there in the second slot in the East, four behind Boston, who has been absolute money in the division, absolute money at home right now, in preaching patience of saying, okay, if we're going to win a title, our defense has to get better. Now, Paul Pierce would like to see defenses everywhere get better with everybody scoring so many points, but... That is interesting for one of the better teams in the league that they're preaching patience to try and get them to work the Doc Rivers way defensively. I mean, they're preaching patience after they just fired their head coach, who was a first time yeah. head coach for not being or like in his first season with them for not being good enough. Like there is a lot of irony built into that, that, oh, now you want to be patient when I, I get it. It's because they did not think Adrian Griffin was the right choice based on what they'd seen. And they believe based on Doc's very long pedigree and history in this league that it can be good, but it is going to take time. I loved the Doc Rivers quotes, very Stugatzian of him, where he said, I wouldn't wish this on anyone when talking about taking over the Bucks midseason as if Doc is getting ready to go down in the coal mines having to coach Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard for the rest of the season. Give me a break.
Yeah. <laughs> so true. So true. But I mean, the Bucks are going to be there, right? It's it's Boston. It's Milwaukee. It's Philadelphia. Uh, the the Knicks are are kind of right there. Cleveland, what a big win over the Clippers. Two teams that are basically, I know Cleveland's, I think, fourth in the East. I think the or third or fourth in the Clippers. No, fifth, I think. And the Clippers are like fourth in the West. A big win for Cleveland, not even at full strength because the Clippers have been unbelievably hot. Wasn't too long ago, Mike, we were kind of mocking that team for the 30-somethings when Harden chose that team and they were not looking great out of the gate. And boy, they're playing better now. So you wonder what they're going to end up doing in the West. But now, you know, everybody's attention will start to turn a little bit more toward the NBA after the tough time when the NFL season ends after next Sunday. But I, I think we're, we're banking up for some really nice races out there lot of very nervous Philadelphia fans just keeping an yeah. eye out now everything's been great there Joel Embiid's playing MVP caliber basketball you've been good to go but we know this is about getting to the postseason for them and if all of a sudden you start to look over and see the Clippers making a little bit of run in the West right now and James Harden is finally giving someone all the things that you wanted him to give you in Philadelphia before he went nuclear I'd imagine it's going to feel a little bit weird for everybody involved but you mentioned this before dad the scoring output that we've seen as of late. We came off a weekend with some really incredible performance of the NBA's 10 players to score 70 or more points in a game in history. Four have done that in the last two seasons. Again, 10 players have topped 70 points in NBA history. Four of those have been in the last two years. Donovan Mitchell had 71 last January. Dame Lillard followed that up last February. And now Embiid and Luka Doncic did it in the same week this upcoming weekend. And dad, I saw a clip that was going around pretty viral of one of the Luka Doncic layups in the in the game where there was very little defense being played. Paul Pierce, who you mentioned, was lamenting that there. Do you think we've reached a point now where there is going to be some people who st there are going to be some people who start to look at that model of defense in the NBA, even if we're getting the scoring output that generally tends to sell tickets and put people in seats in sports and say, hey, this is maybe going too far? Well, eventually you want to try and stop a team, right? I mean, and to stop a team nowadays, you got to play them out high, don't you? I mean, you, you, you sit there and look at NBA three-pointers attempted per game. Boston leads away with just under 43. I mean, seriously. I mean, that, that's just amazing to me, the amount of three-pointers that are taken. Now, again, three-pointers have been around for a long time, but it, again, we get to the analytics. I mean, remember we talked about Houston when Harden was in Houston and the thought of, boy, don't step inside the three-point line, right? Because if you're going to be three feet inside the three-point line or outside the three-point line, it's a one-point difference. We want the three-pointer taken. So they, they made sure they were back outside the three-point line taking those threes. So that's where we are. So the only way you would think for defense to be better is to play it up higher, right? And try and, and try and stop those threes instead of sinking down. Well, I, I think there's just, and I've heard JJ Reddick and plenty of others cover this really well. Old man in the three, obviously everyone here at DraftKings very familiar with them and with JJ in general, but there's just so much space to cover. And I don't know, dad, part of me is empathetic that much like we've seen in the NFL rules have certainly and the style of play have skewed towards offense, but also, it's just the volume portion of this. There are so many NBA games overall. There's so many on a given night that, yeah, we're going to be able to pull a couple of clips where the defense looks half-assed in January. This is the dog days of the NBA season. We hear coaches and players talk about this all the time. And while 
there are people that are going to ask questions about the NBA's product in the regular season. We just came off a fall where the in-season tournament kind of gave us a little bit of that juice that we were looking for. And in a season that's over 80 games long, I'm not going to lose my mind too much because in one weekend where a couple guys went off, we got a couple of spots where the defense looked anecdotally bad. To me, that's not the worst thing that can happen in the world and not an overall indictment of the place in the league we're at right now. I'm looking at an old graph. It's interesting, you know, when the three-pointer came into being back in 79, Washington Bullets coach Dick Mata commented, the three-point field goal will definitely make things interesting. (laughs) And for the first basically five years when that was uh, brought into the game, it averaged basically three or less threes a game. Three-point attempts a game was three or less. And then this graph stops. I just mentioned what Boston does now, but this graph stops in 2017-18 season when the average was right at 29 attempts a game. So you just see how it's grown over the years. And that's not shocking. I mean, the math just says, you know, we get more points for shots out here. So just as generations go on, you learn to say, okay, I need to shoot farther out because three is way better than two in the last math I checked. All right, guys, time to finish off the show the way we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you into the rest of your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating, and try and check us out if you can, live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, on DraftKingsNetwork.com, the YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, and more. But if you miss us or our great guests like Ross Tucker from the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter, you can get us wherever you get your podcasts or available here on YouTube. little housekeeping note, because we are heading to the Super Bowl next week. We are going to be out there on on Radio Row in Las Vegas all week long. We're very excited. If you're out there at all, come say come say what's up. Little time change here for next week. From 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, you are going to get a best-of version of our show on the DraftKings Network, live here on YouTube, all that. We will be live from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, next week during Super Bowl week. So, again, we always like to keep you informed on this so you don't think anything's changed. It's not you. It's us. We're just trying to give you the best possible. We got a bunch of great guests already lined up for that week uh, of all of the uh, craziness that is Radio Row. And we've got the whole Dan Levitar crew that's going to be out there with us. So I'm sure we'll see Dan and Stu Gotts and all those guys running around. But we will be in the afternoons, which dad is great for me in the whole voice thing, considering the sleep situation we talked about in Vegas. Yeah, it really is. Again, best of 8 to 10 Eastern. Our normal time slot will be best of. So you, you luckily get to sleep in and then 4 to 6 Eastern in the evening. Uh, we will be live. As I said, I learned that many years ago, and that's when the sh- doing the show at ESPN started at 6 in the morning. So it would be 3 o'clock out there, which I've done three, I think, three Super Bowls West Coast when I was at ESPN where we actually did 3 to 7. And that, that messes with your day a little bit. So we won't have that. So you'll be able to go out and have a few pops each night and be able to survive. Just a, just a smidge. Just messes with your day a smidge when you're up yeah. at the whole ass crack of dawn in one of the <laughs> most chaotic cities on Earth. So we'll try and survive that as best we can, as will you. Let's get to this, that, and the third, guys, and start off with this. This hit the nostalgia button over the weekend. Jesse, as someone who's my age, I don't know if this hit you the same or not when we got the news that John Stewart would be coming back this fall. 
He's going to return to the Daily Show as the host on Mondays upcoming this year, especially during an election cycle. Jon Stewart, who hosted a show that is in its nature satirical, but ended up over time becoming a sort of trusted voice for a lot of people of a certain age, which is maybe a sad indictment of the whole system overall. I'm not sure, but I was excited about this. Dad, Jesse, I, I don't know how you guys took this in because I was equal parts excited to have John back, especially knowing the content that's going to come up during an election cycle. But also we've had Roy Wood Jr. on this show before, who was a correspondent on that show, was one of the many guest hosts that they cycled through. And I was sort of bummed that they didn't give someone else the opportunity to fully take the reins on this now because I can't imagine what it's going to be like to be whoever has to host the other four days of the week knowing John freaking Stewart is leading off on Monday again. Yeah, I was super excited to hear the news, and then I was like, man, people aren't really going to be tuning in except for on Mondays. Yeah. yeah, that is true. And quite honestly, I'm usually in bed by then, so I don't know how much I'll see of it. Not going to lie. You can watch recaps. <laughs> we'll see clips yeah, of it on the internet. Yeah, I, I do exactly. watch that. I do watch clips on the internet. That's, I, that's where I have kind of morphed into today's world of watching the sped up version or just clips of things now, a couple of minute clips instead of the whole show anymore. I do feel I've fallen into that trap. Yeah. Hey, you know what? That's showbiz, baby. Uh, you can fall back into that trap, though, starting February 12th. Uh, the Daily Show doesn't have any plans to air episodes before then, but Jon Stewart's Daily Show is going to return Monday, February 12th. So it's uh, going to be really interesting. man. I, I, I don't know. I mean, this is a guy that has a lot of very, like, impactful moments uh, and critical junctures in my life in terms of, you know, being a part of walking people through that. He's a guy that's done uh, a ton of quality work on behalf of veterans and people that have gone through hard times since then. So voice people tend to trust uh, even when he's just trying to make us laugh at stuff, which hopefully will be the case again on this. But uh, that's uh yeah, that's a, a big one. He is also on the Mount Rushmore of guests that I want to have on this show at some point. It's John Stewart yeah. and T-Pain right now, basically at the top of this list. <laughs> so we're going to, very far apart. If we get them both at the same time, boy, would that be a roundtable discussion for the ages right there. Ooh, brother. We can only hope. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, uh, interesting situations, Jesse, let's get to that. As one of the young stars in the NFL uh, had a real celebrities, they're just like us moment. Yeah, Puka Nakua's girlfriend took to Twitter to talk about uh, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Twitter. She was on Twitter, and she posted about how she gets her shopping done with him, which is, as she fondly refers to it, girl math. She, she says, you want to go to Aritzia, which is a great store to shop at, ladies. She goes, here's what you got to do. You get your man she, he, a little drinky drink, a little drink. Uh, and then you get him a little bit, you know, seated somewhere and you get him his highlights. And that's what she did. I think we have the clip here. This is girl math. You bring your boyfriend to the mall. You want to go to Ritzia? This is what you do. You get him some wetzel pretzel. You get him a drink. You sit his ass down. Make sure he probably has his phone so that he can watch LeBron highlights. And then you're set. You're set to go. Little drinky drink, little snacky snack, uh, sitting there watching LeBron highlights, and now she can go do her shopping. That's girl math. And, and Wetzel's Pretzels, great pull there. One of the yeah. great mall food stands you can find almost anywhere. So, Dad, large adult men are in very many ways similar to babies in terms of what we need to be happy. And you know this from a lot of personal experience of being sat down on comfortable chairs in malls over the years. So I got to that point, but I'll say this. That was his oh girlfriend when your when your mother and I were dating and I was wooing her and I would shop for her, okay, to get her a present. I was a great shopper for her. 
I would go to a store and I would find something she'd like, like say a leather jacket or something really nice that, that I thought she would like. And I'd call over an, a, a clothing associate or whatever they're called nowadays, I don't know. And I'd say, I like this jacket, start matching stuff around it. And of course, they're flying all over the place to shirts and pants and shoes and everything. And I will look at it and see what matches well, then I'll buy that. I think I did a very good job. You know, fast forward to our marriage for some years and having kids, and it got to a point now where if I wanted something, if I saw something I wanted, I would ask Chris, hey, I like that. Can you get it for me? Or if she would go out and get whatever she wanted if she needed it. So there was really not a lot of need for that. That's when I got to the chair mode of finding the chair, sitting down with my snack. But not when I was boyfriend, girlfriend like these two. I put my time in. I shopped, and I was a damn good shopper for her. And she will admit that as well. I got some good stuff. I'm just saying, built different. You used to buy your girlfriend full outfits. Like, you'd come home and be like, I bought, like, she was a Barbie doll, and you were dressing well, her. Like, oh, okay, so you're, you're making that sound really bad, like she's a Barbie doll and I'm dressed. No, it wasn't always full outfits. It was like if I liked something that went with her. What, you wouldn't like that if your husband, when you were dating, came home and, and made the effort to buy? And I bought good stuff as well, stuff that she kept, stuff that she didn't I return. Don't good. start turning this on me, Jesse. I was damn good at this when I was younger. I want... I'm, I'm waiting to hear the report from mom. We'll get the feedback, I'm sure, via text message before the show's done on if dad actually picked good stuff or if mom just loved my father so much and wanted this relationship to go the distance. And so she wore these things when she had to and got through it there. Jesse, let's get to one more quickly in the third. Drew Barrymore had a real tough call on the dating apps. Yeah, Drew Barrymore uh, went on her show and talked about how she got catfished by somebody on a dating app. She thought she was talking to the quarterback of the Rams, which... You know, just goes to show, does Drew Barrymore have no idea who the quarterback of the Rams is? Like, So I think this is a good reminder that helmet sports and in general sports are not nearly as popular to the outside world as they are to all of us. But even being the quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams and Matthew Stafford, who had won the Super Bowl, or I thought here maybe like Stetson Bennett trying to slide on the low while he's got some time. Um, doesn't always net you the popularity that keeps you from being catfish. But also, who thinks this is a good idea? Like she said, the guy eventually said he was just joking. How is that your first pitch out yeah. of the apps? I'm not someone who's dealt with the apps a ton, but I'd like to think I got a little bit more sense than just saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to lead dog with a completely different thing and try and make someone feel yeah. dumb right at the start. That seems lame. Yeah, to, to think that's going to work, I think, is ridiculous. Mike, by the way, your mother is actually calling me on the phone right now. I don't know what that oh, means. No. Oh. At all, uh, so I'll have to I'll have to get that uh, uh, after the show ends, uh, in in about thirty seconds. But uh, the only time I really heard about the catfish you got to know it was with Mike when unfortunately Manti Teo yeah. and that whole situation when you guys were at Notre Dame together. But uh, yeah, playing it off as you're the quarterback of the Rams, pretty interesting. Wild move. Yep. Let that let that be a lesson that usually never works out. Hopefully this show worked out better for you. We didn't catfish you. If you don't think so, download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.